Hey, y'all. We have not met. My name's Cody, and I'm an intern here, and uh, I would love to have that opportunity. I would uh, invite you now to turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 22. We're coming to the, near the end of our series in 1 Kings, and we come to the first 40 verses of this chapter. And as we've done with some of our longer sections, we're going to of, uh, of this passage, we're going we're gonna to do it in portions. The title of our sermon this morning is that the word is truth. So if we're going to talk about truth, we probably need to ask the question of what is truth? We live in a time where it's often said that I can have my truth, you can have your truth, and it's all okay. Truth comes from the inside of you. It's an it's a individual thing you get to decide. But as Christians, we know that's not actually what truth is. We acknowledge that there is absolute truth and that is found in Christ Jesus. Truth can very uh, simply be defined as reality. It's the way that things are. Steve Lawson, a pastor, describes, uh, defines truth as it relates to God like this. He says, truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Truth is the self-disclosure of God himself. It is what it is because God declares it so and made it so. All truth must be defined in terms of God whose very nature is truth. All truth must be defined in terms of God, whose very nature is truth. We see this in Scripture. We see in Isaiah, he's called the God of truth. In the Gospel of John, we see him called grace and truth. We see Jesus named as the Word. Therefore, when we say that the Word is truth, we mean that God's Word is truth. Truth must be defined by God and through his word. So what does this have to do with 1 Kings or with, with us this morning? Let's go and read the first 12 verses of this chapter. This is God's inerrant and infallible word. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel and the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria? He said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there yet not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat that there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him. For he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. 
Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push Assyrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may not know this about me, but when I was younger and when I was in high school, I used to be involved with community theater. One of the shows that we did was The Little Shop of Horrors. If you've seen this musical or maybe the movie version, you know it's about a guy named Seymour. Now, Seymour works at a failing flower shop with his co-worker, Audrey, who he has a crush on. And Seymour has obtained this very interesting, unique plant. And they decide that maybe we can, we can bolster our business by displaying this plant in the shop. And it works. It becomes very, very popular. Uh, Seymour thinks that he might be able to win his love over because of the success of this plant. One night, he's, he's with the plant. He's working on something. And he pricks his finger. And the plant had begun to wither, but this plant eats his blood. And he finds out that that's how the plant grows. And so he starts to prick all his fingers until there's no fingers left. And the plant's grown from something that sits on the table to something that's all over the whole floor. In a very dramatic and musical-like fashion, the plant and Seymour have this conversation, and they sing to each other. And the plant's telling him in that, that if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, if you don't feed me, if you don't continue to feed me, the success is over with. Your chance with your crush is over with. And so Seymour allows bad things, even deaths, to happen to continue the success. He starts to let reality be faded, he starts to suppress the truth of what is actually going on here for his desire for his own success. He starts to believe a false narrative. Like Michael said during the confession of sin, how might we be suppressing the truth of God in our lives? You know, there's really, really two ways we could do this. We could be in active rebellion against God. Maybe things in our life are going wrong. We're in the middle of suffering. There's a relationship where there's strife. Maybe there's parts of God's word that we just don't like to hear. We don't want to accept. We ask, how can this be true? Can't there be a way for me to live my life and do these things? Can't there be a way for someone in my family to live their life, though it's contrary to Scripture? Maybe it's hurt you've experienced in the church or in relationships in the church. 
But there's also a more subtle way. How do we in our daily lives suppress the truth of God's word? How are we ordering our days the way we're ordering our lives? We're at the beginning of the year and we may be setting goals or or New Year's resolutions, what do those say about where we're holding God's word? Are we just suppressing the truth because we think that if we could just get these things in order, if I could just get my house in order, if I could just get my career or my finances in order, if I could just land this relationship, then I would have made it. Maybe on the opposite end of this, you're here this morning and You don't even feel like getting out of bed. You've started to believe it's not worth the effort. When these things become ultimate, when we suppress the truth of God's word, we're listening to that false narrative. There's something more behind that. We have to look. What's the deeper heart issue? It could be selfishness. It could be desire for worldly success, but at the end of the day, we're all longing for something. We're all longing for truth, and whether we're rebelling against God's word or we're subtly letting other things narrate it, we're all longing for truth. The tendency of our hearts, our sinful hearts, is to move towards building up this false narrative over God's word. Well, this passage this morning brings us back to Ahab. And if, just for a reminder, Ahab is an evil king. If you think back, if you were here last week, Ahab in chapter 21 of 1 Kings has been very passive in his leadership. He, he wanted something. He wanted a vineyard for himself that wasn't his. And he, he let his passiveness lead to a man's murder so that he could get what he wanted. So that's where we're coming to in this chapter. What we were going to see from this passage this morning is simply, but profoundly, God's word is truth. God's word is truth. We'll look at this under three headings. Seeking the truth, refusing the truth, and the truth seeks us. So first, seeking the truth. To get us back in the context here, look back uh, to the opening verses. It mentions that for three years, Syria and Israel are without war. This is referencing back to chapter 20, where Ahab was at battle with the king of Syria, and they made this pact. And part of this pact was that the king of Syria was going to uh, give Israel all the cities that they captured. But it had been three years, and they would still not given over this territory, Ramoth-Gilead. Ramoth-Gilead was, was a lo- major trade route which went from the Red Sea to Damascus. There would have been the equivalent of a, of a toll booth there. And so in his desire, it's both taking back what is rightfully theirs, but there's also a very strategic desire for that toll road. It's, inter- it's interesting to think about this chapter in the context of chapter 21, right? Ahab's Uh, has just been passive and he's gotten what he wanted. So you have to think that maybe for a moment he's thinking he's in the clear, that he can get what he wants, that what his wife told him, right, that you are the king, you can do what you want. This is where Jehoshaphat comes into the narrative. Jehoshaphat is the king 
of Judah. It seems that they're on good terms here. Even though they've had hostility in the past, 2 Chronicles 18 tells us that they had a marriage alliance. Jehoshaphat's son was married to Ahab's daughter. And so this is the scene we're coming to. Ahab has this desire to take over Ramoth Gilead. And for whatever reason, whether it's a, a marriage alliance or whatever, Jehoshaphat agrees. But we see that Jehoshaphat has some level of godly wisdom, right? Look at verse 5. It says, Jehoshaphat said that the king of Israel inquire first for the word of the Lord. We see here that when you suppress the truth, you will seek out the answers you want to hear. Ahab likes to get what he wants. Therefore, he has surrounded himself with people who would tell him what he wanted to hear. This is what we see with these 400 prophets uh, in verse 6 that he gathers. So who were these prophets? The Bible doesn't explicitly say, but we have a couple indicators that these prophets were not of the Lord. There's some, there's some connections between this passage here and what occurs earlier in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. Ahab, in that chapter, he gathers 450 50 prophets from Baal and 400 of Asherah. If you remember, Elijah slaughters the 450 prophets of Baal. And so there's this 400 prophets still out there. And so whether that is who is being referred to here, we see that Ahab has a history of dealing with false prophets. And these prophets here seem to be acting like his yes men. Ahab is seeking those who will tell him what he wants to hear. We see that confirmed further when Jehoshaphat seems to, says there's something funny going on, right? He seems to think that. What does he say? There's not a, is there not a prophet of the Lord, of Yahweh, that we may seek out for the truth? You have to think that Ahab starts sitting there contemplating on if I should mention this one guy. He says, well, this is, there is this one guy, but I will just go ahead and tell you, every time I get him to prophesy for me, it's never good. He never tells me what I want to hear. Basically, he's saying that if we want to get this done, if we want Ramoth Gilead, then we don't need to talk to this guy. Ahab writes this prophet off because he's not going to hear what he wants. He's not going to get the answers he wants. He's like the kid who knows which parent or which grandparent to go to to get an answer. As one commentator says, Ahab did not know that it was better to hear one painful truth from God's own mouth than a thousand cheerful lies from the lips of his enemies. That's Ahab. What about us? How do we respond to truth? Maybe like Ahab, we can all have Yes, men in our lives. And I'm not talking about people who are in our corner, people who are supportive of us. These, these type of people speak truth into our lives. They speak truth to us when we suppress it. They speak truth to us when we need to hear it. It could be that these yes men in our lives aren't even people. We can find validation for the things we want to do pretty much anywhere. It could be that these, uh, it could be the internet, it could be social media, 
to find someone or something who will affirm what we want to do. Maybe it's the culture. Maybe it's not even the broader culture. Maybe it's the local culture. How is that suppressing the truth? How might that be a yes man for us pursuing things other than the word of truth? Because when we start to form this image of our minds of what we think something should be, what we think our life should be, of what we think our kids should be, what we think our spouses should be, what our work should be, what our school experience should be, what our friendships should be. We start to suppress the actual truth. We start to pursue false narratives. We pursue, yes, men who are going to affirm us in those things. So a very practical piece of application maybe for us this morning is if you don't have people in your life who will speak the truth to you, who will speak the gospel to you, who will speak the beauty of Christ to you in everything you do, seek those people out. Seek out a godly man. Seek out a godly woman. But at the bottom line, when we don't want, when we don't want hear what we want to hear is this. It's that God's plans are not always our plans. And that's a good thing. It's a hard thing, but it's a good thing. God will never leave you nor forsake you, Deuteronomy 31. Receive the word, seek it out. That's seeking the truth. Let's go next to refusing the truth. I'm going to read verses 13 to 28. The messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. When he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? He answered him, Go up, triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? One said one thing and another said another. Then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, by what means? He said, I will go out will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of, son of Chanana, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, how did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into the inner chamber to hide yourself. The king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison 
and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, hear all you peoples. So Micaiah has summoned, has been summoned by the messenger. And as he shows up, as he comes to the king, before he gets there, that messenger brings him aside. He says, listen, man, all right, everyone's giving him the green light. All right, and so you need to probably follow what he's doing. Micaiah says in verse 13, there's something obviously different about him and the false prophets. He says, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Micaiah is going to speak the word of Yahweh. But something weird happens here, right? He comes before the king. The king asks him what he should do, and he kind of plays along with the game. He says, go, triumph, the Lord will give it to you. Seems this is not the first time that Micaiah and Ahab has had this back and forth. Micaiah knows that often Ahab will call him and is acknowledging and maybe slightly sarcastically that I'm not going to play your games. I'm not going to play this political game that you're playing. I'm a prophet of the Lord. And Ahab snaps right back to him, right? He says, how many times do I tell you to just tell me the truth? Tell me the truth. Speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. Ahab's asking for the truth. He's seeking the truth. And Micaiah tells him the truth. How does he do it? He doesn't, he tells two prophecies. First, look at verse 17. It says, he said, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master Let each return to his home in peace. The truth of the matter, the truth of the Lord that Micaiah speaks is the same prophecy that Ahab has heard two other times. It's that the king of Israel is going to die. Ahab is going to die. The people of Israel are going to be without a shepherd, are going to be, have no master. His response, as we we know, is that he says, I told you. He speaks evil against me. So he asks for the truth and rejects the truth from Micaiah. So Micaiah prophesies again in this next prophecy. It can be a little confusing, but if you think about it at the base level, Micaiah has just prophesied that these 400 prophets are wrong. So what does God speak uh, through Micaiah? He prophesies and shows that indeed these 400 prophets are false prophets. Micaiah is prophesying, and he says that the Lord, he sees the Lord sitting on the throne, and there's a host of heaven, and he asks who will deceive Ahab, and this spirit comes up and says, I will tie him through a, through a lying spirit. Now, I know there's probably a lot of questions that what in the world is going on here, and I'm not going to try to act like I know, uh, have all the answers, and we don't have all the time to dig into it, but... Uh, here's what we do know. We know that God is sovereign. God is sovereign over both the false prophets and the true prophets. A lot of times when we read passages like this, it can be easy to say, why is God acting in this way? Why is God judging in this way? Why is God seemingly deceiving Ahab in this way? But is he deceiving him? God has just point blank told him what is going to happen. Whether Ahab is just 
going through the formality, all of this, or if he really does desire to know the truth, he has already determined to suppress the truth of God. The false truth, the false lies that Ahab has wanted to hear is being given to him. And so he rejects the truth. Micaiah gets put in the prison. Right? He says, go to prison, but don't give him food until I come back. That's when Micaiah says, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. Solemn words spoken by a man speaking for the Lord. And Ahab rejects the truth. You may be asking at this point, well, then how do we respond to truth? How are we to make decisions in light of the truth of God's word? How do we respond when God answers our prayers, not how we wanted them to be answered? It's one thing for us to sit here this morning and just to say, don't be Ahab. But we must ask and wonder, how do I follow God's word? How do I live my life in light of truth? Because as Christians, we are desiring to grow in holiness, to grow in our understanding of God's word, to grow in Christ. But life is not always as clear as we might want it to be. There's some steps we know we can take. We can look to the word of God. We can look to the Bible. God has given us this holy inspired word. This is our authority. He works through the Holy Spirit in incredible ways to speak to us through it. Sometimes when we're seeking the truth, the truth is, is that we have to surrender to the I don't know. We have to surrender to the I don't know. We have to surrender to the fact that we're not going to know everything. I'm a parent. I've got two kids. And if you've been a parent for any level of time, whether that's three years or 30 years, you've probably experienced the pressure of this feeling of every day, every little decision you make for your kids, maybe what's... What, where you're going to live, what school your kids are going to go to, what sports or activities they're going to be involved in, how am I going to save for their college, how am I going to save for my retirement. Whether you have kids or not, we can all relate to that feeling that if I don't have it figured out right now, I'm done for. And that's a false narrative. That's a false truth. We start to believe the lie of having everything together, the urgency of having our stuff together now. And I'll tell you this right here, it can make you miserable. When our lives, might, we need to surrender to the I don't know. This doesn't mean being passive. Rather, it means surrendering to God's sovereignty rather than our failed attempts at being sovereign over ourselves knowing that Christ is at work in us and through us. So let's go now to the last section here, chapters 29 to 40. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. 
Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. When the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it's surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. Jehoshaphat cried out, and when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around, carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. The battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until that evening he died. The blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot, and about sunset a cry went through the army, every man to his city and every man to his country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria, and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria. The dogs licked up the, his blood, and the prostitutes washed themselves in it according to the word of the Lord that had been spoken. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did and the ivory house that he built, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahaz slept with his fathers, and Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. So they have just had this back and forth with Micaiah. And they've thrown him into jail, and the next thing we see in Verse 29 is they're going off. They're going off the Ramoth Gilead. And as they're preparing to go in the battle, it seems that maybe Micaiah's prophecy might be in the back of Ahab's mind. Right? Ahab wants to play it safe with God's sovereignty. So he disguises himself. He tells Jehoshaphat, you dress up like a king. I'm going to disguise myself. Ahab has gone so far down this road of suppressing the truth and pursuing what he wants, he thinks that he can hide himself from God. So they go in the battle, and it's, it's clear from verse 31 that the king of Syria had one goal, and that was to take out King Ahab. And at first it works. We see that, that the Syrian captains, they see Jehoshaphat, and they, they go to him. Jehoshaphat, again, with some level of wisdom, cries out, and they, they back off. And this is when we see the interesting fulfillment of what God has said will happen to Ahab. Verse 34, but a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. This word random can be translated in innocence. It means, basically, this guy had no specific target in mind. But though he shot this seemingly at random, this arrow was a sovereign arrow with an exact target. And so we see God's word fulfilled. Ahab is taken in the chariot from battle and dies. We see that the truth seeks us out. God's word is being shown true here. That's what we see. Uh, we see that what God said in chapter 20, that he would take Ahab's life for the king of Syria has occurred that what Elijah prophesied in chapter 21, that he would, the dogs would lick up his blood, has come true. What Micaiah has just prophesied has come true. God's word is truth, and it seeks us out. Jesus in the gospel of John, you may be familiar with his, uh, his interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus is at this 
this well and the Samaritan woman comes up for a drink and, and Jesus ask, asks her for a drink and then they uh, talk and, and he tells her that there's a, a drink that you can have where you will not thirst anymore, the living water. And she asks, well, can I have this drink? And that's when Jesus does this. He says, well, go get your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, right, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband at all. So they talk some more, and then when she goes to town, she tells everyone to come and see this man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? This, this Samaritan woman in this passage had freedom when she knew she was fully known by Christ. Are there areas in your life where you're trying to disguise it from God? Disguise it from the people around you? Do you look like a grown man standing behind a thin tree playing hide and seek? You're hiding behind something, but you're fully seen. God's sovereign truth always works itself out in our lives. We don't have to hide. You know, Ahab in this situation, he has promised, he has promised death and he receives this sovereign arrow to that end. But God works in our lives as well. When we try to go our, our own way, when we try to suppress the truth of his word, we see this accomplished one way through the conviction, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the conviction of sin can feel like an arrow. But because of the work of Christ, we can answer with assurance in our conviction. We can receive grace and feel the freedom we have in being fully known by Christ. So how are we to respond to this passage? How are we to respond to this narrative of this king who followed his own desires rather than the truth. I ask you this question this morning, are you suppressing the truth? Like Seymour in the little shop of horrors, have you been feeding the plant? Have you been feeding the narrative of false truth in your life? Guess what? There's good news for us all. Repent and believe because there's grace for you and I this morning. And in that, we can rest. We can rest knowing that Israel in this passage is left as sheep without a shepherd, but there was a shepherd coming. You and I this morning have the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, who took the sovereign arrow of sin on the cross so that we might be clothed, that we might be covered in his righteousness. Do you know you are a sheep? And you have a shepherd in Christ. The word became flesh, the word is truth. That is truth, which is unwavering. Receive it and rest in it. Let's pray. Father, your word is truth. We're thankful that the word became flesh in Jesus Christ. 
you are the good shepherd, oh God. I pray that as we come to the table this morning, that we would be fed and nurtured by him. I pray this in your holy name.